We are in the last city on Earth. Some call it the perfect society, but others know better. Government control is total. People disappear as though they never existed. But there are rebels who believe in freedom and who fight in the name of the disappeared. I am one of them. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Below Freezing with CJ and Micah. I'm CJ. I'm Micah. And this is a weekly podcast in which we unthaw a different movie that comes in at or below 32% on Rotten Tomatoes. And this week is a toast episode. It's a toast episode. Hey. Um, it is... Uh, <laughs> I was singing, but I was like, I'll ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Um, which, uh, it's been like uh, kind of weird and difficult to find a placement for a toast episode we've been getting yeah. some really awesome guests we have we have been um very fortunate uh in our in our guest booking especially here lately just like not like in terms of like finding people at the right time mm-hmm. and uh we wanted to uh jump back and do another toast episode and this week is Micah's choice. It's my fault. I'm so sorry. Oh no. Um, <laughs> well, that's interesting because I'm. Uh, you suggested it, and because um, you said you hadn't seen it in a while, and I hadn't seen yeah. it either since it like came out. Yeah, it's been around then. When I have seen this, I watched. I watched this and like Ultraviolet and um, this movie called Blood and Chocolate. Like all within like at the same like time and Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know that those necessarily all came out in the same year but one of them had trailers for the others or there was a trail of trailers that led me to all of those movies at like the same moment i mean on dvd packages when they're coming up with like what trailers they're going to put on it like there's obviously stuff like oh, this is what's coming out from the studio or whatever and, and that kind of stuff. Or yeah. and I don't know if you saw any of them in the movies, but like, especially like those three movies are very much in the same vein of like uh, mid 2000s, there is a lady. Sometimes <laughs> there is action. Get into <laughs> yeah. it, right? Yeah, like, like one was, so the movie we are watching today was 2005 Mm -hmm. ultraviolet was 2006 and blood and chocolate was 2007 so these were all happening at peak emo micah Mm -hmm. this was all happening at peak emo everyone um (laughs) you you were not alone in in those sentiments but i think we're just not at all beating around the bush at this point this week we're on thawing eon flux the uh 2005 adaptation of the classic um MTV uh, animated series. Now, I think this is really, um, really interesting as a choice, uh, just because you've talked about Ultraviolet and stuff a lot. Yeah. But uh, Eon Flux is a movie that I remember being really excited to see Mm -hmm. because when I was a kid, I was even into like the whole watching the Oscars thing and stuff. (laughs) And this is like... And this is like this action movie that was coming out and I wasn't really into action movies as a kid. And um, there was this action movie coming out and it was female fronted and the actress was Charlize Theron who was in Monster and stuff like that. Um, I was, I, I remember my mother renting Monster and me loving it and her hating it. Oh no. <laughs> um, but I've the- still never seen Monster, weirdly enough. You would think I would. It's pretty on brand with my whole serial killer shtick. But no, I have not seen it. Um, I, I need to get around to it. Yeah, but she, she won she won her Oscar for that. And uh, Charlize Theron had always sort of been uh, a fixture in like what I watched for as long as I remember, specifically because yeah. I used to wear out the VHS tape of Mighty Joe Young when I was a kid. Oh, see, Mighty Joe Young emotionally traumatized me. I have seen it once and once only. Mm. Have you seen the original one? I just found out like a few years ago that it was a remake. Um, I think I found out there was a remake when you told me there was a remake. uh, But the, yeah, it's like, um, yeah, I I was a big... remake? 
No, no, no. The the Charlie's Theron one was the remake, and then oh, the original oh, oh, one oh. came out in the fifties when there was a bunch of monster movies, and they wanted a right. King Kong thing that was not King Kong. Yeah. Yes. Um, then the remake is the one that I have seen, and I have not seen the original. I mean, you know how I am about monkeys. Mm-hmm. I'm scared to death of them. Yeah. And then also emotional trauma. It was really not a movie made for me. A ton. Like both their moms get killed at the same time and stuff. It's wild. Yeah, but it's, it's rough. Yeah, but um, one thing that's cool about Eon Flux is because I had never actually, I did not grow up on liquid television, um, like uh, which is the show that Eon Flux it was sort of born out of. Mm-hmm. Um, I because you know I was not cognizant enough <laughs> as as a small child to be watching MTV. Um, yeah. But uh, I did after, you know, finding out about this movie and before it came out and after it came back out, went back and sort of just like really deep dived into like Mm -hmm. MTV's non-music programming when I was um, like in middle school going Mm -hmm. into high school. Um, And one thing is that Liquid Television was this sort of showcase of different animation short subject things right um like sometimes there was like sometimes they were, they were really random they didn't have any like through line a lot of them didn't make sense there were some really dumb there was like a stop motion mm-hmm. one where like it was called soap opera and it was a parody of soap operas that was made with actual soap oh that sounds kind of fun that sounds really fun you know i love a bad part <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, uh, and, and Beavis and Butthead also was birthed from that show as well. Oh yeah. Which I never watched that either. I was a bit too young for it. Mm -hmm. And then we didn't get cable like until late, much later than everybody else had cable because I grew up in the boondocks. Uh, so I just like missed that entire, and it doesn't really look like my sort of thing anyway. Yeah. And it wasn't really like a, like it before it became like a show show and then evolved into like, we had the film Beavis and Butthead do America and stuff like that. It was just a way for them to showcase music videos. Right. So like Mm -hmm. it, it would just be Beavis and Butthead doing little skits and then they would introduce smells like teen spirit or something Mm. um and then it eventually became like an actual show and stuff like that and then it spun off into daria and stuff so um because daria was a character on beavis and butthead before she had her own show did not know that she was a almost completely different character but she was (laughs) on that show (laughs) i also never watched daria even though that is also something that lots of people have told me i would enjoy it's all on Hulu. Uh, I really think it should be your next watching project because yeah. it goes by. One, it goes by really fast, and two, it, it Daria just is the person that you want it to be in high school. She <laughs> always has like the best comeback for something. Everybody else but her is dumb, mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing. Um, and then and then it evolves in a bunch of different ways that are really cool. But uh, Eon Flux. Uh, came out of liquid television as well mm-hmm. and was created by Peter Chung, who was one of the co-creators of Rugrats. And he created oh, Eon Flux. He's also a professor in the biology department at Pitt State. <laughs> <laughs> My, a friend of mine is really good friends with him. I, we had brunch together once and I was really hungover and he made fun of me a lot. Anyway. Peter Chung? Yeah. Is the professor of biology at Pitt State? I mean, obviously not this one. But oh, yeah. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> I got really I'm confused. I was like, every time his name has popped up, I just think about being really hungover at Harry's. Oh. My first hungover, in fact, and getting made fun of mercilessly over dry toast. Oh, well, that'll do it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he was um, he was one of, not one of the co-creators, excuse me. He was one of the lead animators on Rugrats. And mm. Viacom owns MTV and Nickelodeon. So there were lots of opportunities to go between the two. Mm. And he said that he uh, created Eon Flux because he felt so stifled with the limited amount of movement that babies uh, as character designs mm-hmm. give you. That's why when you see clips and stuff from the series, everything is so 
fluid and ambidextrous and really like Mm -hmm. wild in terms of the way bodies contort themselves yeah i am um (laughs) so the only actual bits of the animated series i have seen are what was on the dvd bonus features of the Mm -hmm. movie which yes i watched all of them I was really into this movie in whenever I watched it, like 2007. And now I watch it now and I'm like, woof, this doesn't hold up. (laughs) But I found then and I find now um, the animation really (laughs) off-putting in the animated series. I don't like it at all. And also, like, we're going to talk about how sexualized Charlize Theron is in this movie. But, like, the animated series is a whole whole other level of yeah. the sexualization of Eon specifically, but I think from what I've seen, pretty much everybody. Yeah, it, it is a very, very uh, sexually charged show, just visually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, before we jump into all of that, do you have the score and the consensus pulled up? I do. It has a sad 9%. (laughs) I'm not saying it doesn't deserve that. Uh, That's just one of the lower ones we've had in a while. And uh, the critics' consensus is, Eon Flux lacks the gravity-defying pace of its animated predecessor, and despite some flash, is largely a dull affair. Uh, And that's the first thing I want to talk about. Like, the movie is really boring um which is it is which says something i think about like what happened to it it, during adaptation but also uh apparently like it was taken from the director and like recobbled together and a lot of stuff was taken out of it Mm, and stuff like that i can see that because there are certain things that are really over explained mm-hmm. and then there's some things that are like not explained at all at all and the director was uh karen kusama who mm-hmm. uh you know is a director that i champion a lot uh be- because uh she directed uh feminist uh teen feminist masterpiece jennifer's body um and as well as an amazing, amazing thriller from, I want to say, 2016 called The Invitation, uh, which is on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And anytime anybody says they want to watch something spooky and they ask me for a recommendation, I always recommend The Invitation because it is so underseen and so good. Um, and uh, she, but like Jennifer's Body is another one where like, the movie was sort of cobbled out, recobbled outside of her. And uh, it was also th- so much of the marketing was spent on how hot Megan Fox was. Yeah. And it was marketed to men when it really was a like movie about the relationship between these two girls and stuff like that. So like it was completely mismarketed and nobody went to see it. So Karen Kusama always sort of seems to get undercut, but she's had a pretty steady career. She just did a movie a few years, a couple of years ago called Destroyer with Nicole Kidman. Uh, And she is also directing uh, the new Dracula for this new sort of stripped down version of the universal monsters that they've been doing, starting with Lee Wannell's The Invisible Man. Ooh, yes, please. So I'm very, very excited about that. Oh, I'm very excited for that. I think Jennifer's body, at least it fared better in the edit. Mm -hmm. The marketing was a travesty. Like, Mm -hmm. it it was absolutely a crime. But when you get into the movie itself, it's, it's really quite good. And I think the problem with Eon Flux is not limited to but largely in part because of the editing it was the way that it was edited together yeah and i don't blame kusama for that no um i think uh also the movie really really suffers for trying to make hmm for trying to make more sense out of what was happening in the show than the show ever cared to like yeah um one thing is this whole cloning thing, which is sort of a big part of the show, but not really because it's never really explicitly stated. Like mm-hmm. Trevor's in the show, Trevor or Chairman Goodchild, whatever you want to call him, his 
plans for Brenya and, and like what his ultimate plan is are really, really nebulous and ambiguous mm-hmm. um, in in the show. And they really don't have anything to do with the cloning. Really the only, the biggest illustration of the cloning in the series are the fact that I think in the first season, Eon dies at the end of every episode. Hmm. There's and, some old guard um, foreshadowing. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> and, and it's also interesting to see this sort of like first foray uh, and I think you can also add uh, the Italian job to this as well mm-hmm. uh, of Charlize Theron into like a straight up action role mm-hmm. um, when uh, now you get to see her sort of you've, we've gotten to see her develop into this like bona fide action star from like Fury Road up God, until she's so now good. Uh, she's she's a very good and very like uh believable action star like all of her fight sequences and all of her newer movies have Mm -hmm. lots and lots of fidelity and you especially because she's so tall and she just sort of is able to look imposing and in this she doesn't she does Um, not (laughs) which i do not blame her for Mm -hmm. i blame it on the costuming Mm -hmm. the and I'm going to include like hair and makeup in that mm-hmm. and the fight choreography, which is fucking abysmal. The fight choreography is really bad. And the way the fights are edited are really, really bad yeah. because they are like, and it is, this is a textbook example of what everybody complains about when they're talking about like, Hey, this is too choppy. You can't see what's going on. Mm-hmm. You never see a single like actual like hand to hand blow land at all in this movie uh which is which is really really weird also they run up against uh something that i don't think that they were adequately prepared for with like the small amount of money that they really spent on this mm-hmm. that paramount and mtv spit on this um which you can is because everything looks really cheap some things look really cheaply made yeah and w- which is like one they couldn't really create the world of brenya as it exists in the animated series because in the animated series it's a it looks uh like a very clean blade runner like it all these mm. huge imposing buildings mm-hmm. like in like the shots in the show are composed in which like um like you're seeing like the overcast visual of buildings in 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 the sort of uh just uh gargantuanness of the city all around Eon whenever she's moving around people and stuff like that. Every all the architecture is large and solid and imposing because it is supposed to represent, you know, um, government overreach and authoritarianism. Right. And in this, it just looks like one of those memes you see where it's just like if what society would look like if blank happened and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's very like jetsons yeah but um but if it's it's jetsons by ikea yes thank you i was trying (laughs) to find the metaphor i was looking for that is it (laughs) and the okay so let's let's talk about the costuming real quick because i feel like the costuming starts making a statement early Mm -hmm. it is not one that i like yeah it's because it's trying to be this it's definitely trying to evoke futurism but also like utopianism and Mm -hmm. it's all very bright and colorful except for eon who they constantly put in head to toe pitch black because what is subtlety and uh i hate it i hate the way that they are trying to evoke this is the future like all of the men have like eight bottles of hair gel in their hair at have all times. Eight bottles of hair gel in their hair. When like in actual, like sometimes there would be like a one, of, somebody would have like a weird, like 
Johnny Bravo type like pompadour in the show or something like that. Yeah, but Trevor yeah. himself really has like a buzz cut and is blonde, but whatever. And then, but one thing I find interesting that the show doesn't do, at least with people who are in plain clothes versus the movie, is that all of the men and all of the people in sort of authority, uh, in, in, in like, uh, Positions of authority, I should say, uh, are all have like these really aggressive, like tweed trench coats with like these high collars. Yeah. And it's like, yo, okay, but I don't. There is, there is no <laughs> aesthetic cohesiveness whatsoever. Easy season it's... 22, like, yeah. Yeah, it's it's wanting to tell you something with the costumes, but mm-hmm. God help them, they couldn't figure out what. It needed to have some kind of coherent aesthetic. And you get it a little bit with, like, the general townspeople being in what looked like just brightly colored kurtas, but, like... Mm-hmm. Uh, and all these really warm autumn colors a lot of crimsons a lot of purples a lot of like siennas a lot of orange yeah yeah Yeah. and then you're like it had to be super obvious who the monicans were Mm -hmm. the monicans being the like rebel group that felt a need to name themselves and explain everything about themselves in excruciating detail except why they needed to be called the Monicans. Because they all look like Angelina Jolie and her brother that she makes out with sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and also they're all wearing like skin tight jewel tones or black. They're mm-hmm. all wearing, or like neutrals. They're all like in neutrals, except for Sithandra, who is um, apparently got an autumnal complexion. But um, we'll get to Sithandra later. She didn't deserve anything that they did to her. <laughs> um but yeah, I just, I hated the costuming. The first thing you see Charlize Theron in is this, like, awful blazer and skirt with a slit combo. Mm-hmm. These cheap-ass fucking Payless heels. <laughs> and a hood, like a mesh. It's like, it's like a morph suit, but mm-hmm. they, but it's, but it reveal, it's the, an anti-mask where yeah. like your, your mouth is open. Which is funny because they, they established that people are getting like disappeared and stuff, right? By the government. Yeah. But like, it's all, whenever someone's getting disappeared, it's always someone who's wearing like the regular citizen's clothes. No one yeah. sees the people who look drastically different than everyone else and are moving around and making out with each other suspiciously no one's just like hmm maybe let's check them right um i think something that's interesting about the costumes is how much and how little they do with the costume design to try and evoke the design of the show Sorry, I keep bringing it back to the show. But the, no, I knew we would. I knew we would. I knew that those were reins you were going to have to take. <laughs> um, but like, I, I find that super, super interesting because with Eon's wardrobe, Eon's wardrobe in the show is basically like a bra, like a, like a garter bra with like, that connects to like a thong and leather boots and straps all over her to keep guns, right? And then in yeah, this... Yeah, it looks like you could just cut up one of my purses and that's enough leather to make her outfits. Yeah. And in the movie, it is translated into like a cat suit that has like the back showing a little bit, which I understand. Uh, it is. It is like, because the movie is PG-13 and... And that has to, but the cat suit just looks dumb. And they put her in several different kinds of cat suit. And it's and they're all bad. None of them are flattering. One of them has a corset that she that is attached to the rest of the garment. Mm. So you see the laces in the back for no fucking reason. She's supposed to be an assassin, so you would think some form of body armor would be useful. But nah, that shit looks like it's just made out of cotton. Like cheap ass cotton because you see her putting it on but she she still has more protection than she did in the show (laughs) 
I mean, yes, yes. (laughs) It just looks so cheap. All of the fabrics look really cheap, especially the ones on her, which doesn't make any sense. You would think that she's the one they would spend the money on. Yeah. So, um, like I said, um, it sets up that this thing that has never been really established, like where they are in time in the show or like why society is the way it is. But um, they established that there was a <laughs> global pandemic that wiped out the majority Ooh. of human time. If hum- that doesn't people. hit different in 2020 than it did in 2005 or whenever I watched this. I literally was like, oh, yike. <laughs> Same. Like the description came up. Uh, and it mentions global virus. And I was like, oh, hell. Uh, and global virus. And then people getting disappeared. And I was just like, oh, wow, it's 2020. Yo. Ah. Yay. Um, <laughs> I, oh, no. Uh, and then, you know, you get some uh, some Tomb Raider, some that kind of music. Because that's that was all the rage in the early 2000s. And... Uh, there's a few obvious differences. Trevor and Eon get siblings in this. Because, um, like, the driving force is that the the authoritarian government at large uh, kills her sister. And um, this movie needed a foil for Trevor because Trevor in the movie is, a his- is like a heroic character when he is very much not in the show at all yeah my yeah he's like her sometimes lover sometimes nemesis right in the show <laughs> most times nemesis. oh okay well that's fun love yeah. me a bit of enemies uh, to lovers well yeah they never really like it i don't think you would like trevor though because trevor is very condescending yeah probably not i don't like trevor a lot of them either a lot of the 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 episodes of the show are like narrated by him but he's not like really saying anything so he just like i which you could sort of assume is a com is commentary on authoritarians just liking to hear themselves talk well we've experienced that firsthand now (laughs) yeah right um but but um but yeah like the 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 character dynamics and the way that eon and trevor interact with each other in this movie is really really weird you can tell a lot was cut (laughs) because things happen for no reason like really suddenly um and nobody's character motivations make any sense at all Mm -hmm. for charlie's theron she's acting yeah. You can tell there's just stuff missing. Um, with Trevor, the man's got one facial expression. It's a real intense face. I don't know how you get out of it. I don't know. It's like his face <laughs> is super intense and he just doesn't know what to do with it. So he does nothing. Martin Sokus, pe- I think, is his name. Yeah, he's terrible. He's really bad. He's really bad in this. I don't know what he is like in other things. I thought that I knew him from other stuff, too. But I think I just watched this movie more than once. Um <laughs> In my phase of liking it. Uh, he's really bad. He he doesn't express an emotion. Ever. Yeah. It, it's, it's a lot. He doesn't really seem to... Even when, like, he and Eon are sort of reunited after all of their time apart, it's kind of just like... He's just... you can't see the face i just did but just imagine like i just got hit with a stun gun or something that's the face (laughs) i was making and that there's a there's an image of him that keeps popping up in the movie in the beginning it's his like propaganda photo i guess Mm -hmm. and his hair is gelled to the fucking skies man but also like kind of going back like he had it gelled straight up and then he got caught in a windstorm yeah and it's this weird sort of like uh like off background thing that's happening and all the pictures sort of look like those old ipod commercials i don't know how he makes his chin go that far forward (laughs) We have to stop talking about this man. Martin Sokas, please come on the podcast. Um, (laughs) I think I'm being even meaner to him than I am to Ethan. No, probably not. Well, here's the thing. Speaking of Ethan Embry, I've decided that the Hall of Fame is now named after him. (gasps) Yes. The Ethan Embry Hall of Fame. Yes. we We have two actors who have their second entries 
in this movie. We do? Yes. Tell me it's not Johnny Lee Miller. Johnny Lee Miller. What else who, has he been in? What do, I don't remember. He was in Dracula 2000. <gasps> not Johnny Lee Miller. I have a tangent about Johnny Lee Miller. We'll get to it. Okay. And uh, also uh, Pete Postlewaite, uh, who was in Clash of the Titans. <gasps> You're right. Yep. So the two of them are one movie away one from movie. joining yeah. the Ethan Embry TM. I, I never realized how many people would join. <laughs> it. Yeah, just as we have the standing hunch from Rockadoodle Best Supporting Actor Award, mm-hmm. the Ethan Embry Hall of Fame. And there is an official entry in this episode, but I'm not going to say it until the end because it's one of my reasons. Man, I didn't pay enough attention to this at all. <laughs> I'm going to let you guess, but, uh, oh, but no, you'll find out when we're done. So uh, generally, um, Eon is tasked with killing Trevor, which is a lot of what happens in the show. He is the overlord. The Monikins really want him dead and all that stuff. And then when she finally gets her chance to do it, after... A lot of nonsense. So much of this movie takes place during the day. Which, you know what? I do appreciate. Because another set of movies that took place in this phase of mine, this very emo phase of mine, was the Underworld movies. Mm-hmm. And in those movies, everything's dark and everyone's wet. <laughs> Always. Not in the fun way, just in the rained on way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's so dark and so wet. And so in those movies, which have infinitely better fight choreography, not saying much, but they do, um, you can't see it just because everything's all dark, like a Zack mm-hmm. Snyder movie. You can't see anything happening because it's all dark and, and gray. Um, in this, there's they don't have that excuse. Everything is in the bright light. And there's a lot of vibrant colors in there, this. There are a lot of vibrant colors. I The sequence with... Sophie Okonedo as uh, Sithandra, and yes. who I really love Sophie Okonedo. I think she's a wonderful actress. She's great. Uh, she's just not good in this, but no one's good no in this. One's so no one's good in Frances McDormand is in this. Oh, that yeah. I was like, holy shit, is that Frances McDormand? She's yeah. like the monikin leader person, another character who really doesn't exist. Like the whole, like, take the pill and go into a dream state where you can communicate with other people who have also taken the pill. That's, that's neat. That's not in the show at all. Oh, well, that's neat. I thought that was cool. And I thought Frances McDormand's character, I think they call her the handler. Mm-hmm. Um, she just looks cool. Her hair looks cool. They gave her a cool outfit. Yeah, she's sort of like Merida from brave if she was bellatrix lestrange yeah it's a good aesthetic i was into it at one point a flower blooms out of her mouth and then the pollen sort of like dissipates throughout the chamber and it it does some weird shit i thought that just looked neat Mm -hmm. there's some really cool imagery in like isolated moments yes like even there's even some cool action stuff that doesn't end up paying off in the way that I ultimately want it to but at Mm -hmm. least as ideas you know yeah but like she's but like uh it would be interesting if like um with the cloning thing if they just kept if they made that a larger part of Eon's character to where like if she died a few times during the movie yeah like if we saw that like if she keeps coming back I don't know if they didn't do anything like that because they didn't want to reveal the cloning twist too early but i think they Mm -hmm. should have just let it not be a twist let that be something that we are aware that is happening and we get Mm -hmm. the stress of watching the characters discover it and then you can explore it as a concept more because Uh it's an interesting concept and they could have like thrown in some of the interesting ways that she died like there's i think in the first episode she gets like as close as she's like taking out all these guards and stuff like that she gets this close as humanly possible to killing trevor and then she steps on a nail and falls off the balcony so is the does the show like does she just keep getting brought back as an adult or is the show just not have a linear timeline well show really doesn't have a linear timeline none of the episodes until the third season and i haven't seen the third season are very uh cohesive Mm -hmm. or in terms of like they don't have like a through line or a plot 
is just about it's eon she works for the monikins Mm -hmm. she wants to take down trevor and the brennian society and stuff um and (laughs) they they do this action sequence where it's revealed that sophie okinato's character has gotten modifications to her body where she has two extra hands where her feet should be and they are running through this grassy field outside of trevor's compound and the grass is booby trapped because it becomes razor sharp yeah the image of sathandra landing on her hands for feet mm-hmm. in that blades of in those blades of grass is the single most vivid image i had of that movie like that's the most vivid thing i remember i yeah, there was I a lot that, that i had forgotten but that i have never forgotten it's, I know you've got a thing with the stabbing through the hands. It's just, and this wasn't that bad, I guess, yeah, in the grand scheme of things. Quick. But like in movies now, and it's just, if someone explained to me it's because they have like, I guess we figured out how, how to do it practically and everyone <laughs> yeah. just wants to do it now. But like people are just getting like, are taking like full hunting knives to their palm in like almost every mm-hmm. movie now. And I'm so tired of it. It makes it me so uncomfortable. Hollywood, stop it. But they won't because it makes you so uncomfortable. They want right. the shock value of that gore. Ugh. I'm really curious how they do it. I bet the effects makeup is like really cool. The first time I remember really being shocked by it and seeing it was in Scream 4 where Olivia, like, the killer mm-hmm. busts through her, be- her bedroom and just, like, the first thing that happens is he stabs her in the hand and, yeah. and it kicks her in the chest. I was like, yeah. oh, oh, no. <laughs> I was like, I was like, <laughs> cut the cameras, dead ass. There's an episode of Luther where he they put his hand on a table and then somebody takes a screwdriver and just drives it straight through and into the table. It's horrible. Well, it's- I was going to watch Luther, but not now. Mm, um, I don't know that Luther's for you. It's yeah, it's a it, it just seems like a lot. It I've is been a avoiding lot. I've been avoiding stuff that's a lot. I've the babysitters club is so good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying you should never watch Luther. I rewatched the first episode the other day and Ruth Wilson is absolutely incandescent. She's fantastic. So I'm not saying never watch it, but mm-hmm. like maybe not right now. <laughs> not maybe when the world goes back to some sort of when the world has normal. stopped ending and we've had a chance to go eat some ramen and like watch Mulan mm-hmm. in the theater. Yes, <laughs> well, yes, I will start. I will start Luther after I see Disney's live action remake of Mulan. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, like that kind of thing. And then there's like the plants that come up and are like shooting darts at people yeah. there were like booby traps and stuff but the majority of time eon was really dealing with these guards uh and the guards don't even look like the guards in the show like and i and i'm not to be like that the reason the movie is bad is because uh it's not like the show it's more that the movie is bad so it might as well have been bad and like the show right <laughs> yeah that maybe being more like the show would have helped a bit yeah. If I they would, could have drawn on some imagery that they know works. And they try. Like, they're, yeah. like, the the outfit that she sleeps in. Oh, Lord have mercy. I remember <laughs> Sort it. of looks like the outfit from the cartoon. And then... It's, um, um, for context, it's uh, some little underwear. And then mm-hmm. some chains that just kind of go over where her boobs are. And then tie mm-hmm. around to the back. It does not look comfortable to sleep in whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And most of the time her hair is like really slick, it's short and it's like slicked back. But sometimes they let a few strands hang to to try and sort of evoke the way that Eon's hair looks in the cartoon. Yeah, I assumed that specific like um, asymmetrical bob thing she had happening was meant to evoke that and then you do get pictures um because she's a clone of trevor trevor goodchild's wife from the before times mm-hmm. um because they have those two in this um and you see her she's got really beautiful like long nice beachy waves mm-hmm. and i don't like her haircut it's not to say i don't like an asymmetrical bob rihanna showed us all that that it's a very good look 
I always tell people that the world and human, I think that human existence can be split into two periods. <laughs> it is the period before Rihanna got her hair cut in the Umbrella music video and the world after. When does this take place then? Was this pre or post? When Umbrella came out when we were in middle school, I think. Umbrella was 2006. When did you I would, do it? I would, let's see, Umbrella. <laughs> Just the silence we'll have to cut as we both Google it. Oh, 2007. <laughs> Oh, so this was um, before. So they just, this was, it was too soon. They didn't realize that you really need to not gel it to the sides of your face. Now, I really want to put this out there. We're not going to talk about the movie. Anybody who really wanted to hear us talk about this movie is like, fuck y'all. But <laughs> I'm the, so sorry. <laughs> but would this movie, would you take a reboot of Eon Flux? If it starred Rihanna, comma, actress. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you're rebooting. If it's got Rihanna, comma, actress, like, I'm going to go see it. I don't think she's yeah. always the best actress. I, I don't either. Because uh, everyone likes to bring up Battleship. But, like, that's really funny to me. Because, like, no one was good in Battleship. Yeah. Like, not even academy award winner liam neeson <laughs> like so, i also did not, i don't think we can blame battleship on. Rihanna. i didn't love um her in um valerian very much either really? and a lot I of people really did. liked her in, I didn't valerian. Care for her in valerian all of this to say however if rihanna played eon flux i'm gonna watch it i'll be there maybe the because maybe this time they've got a chance to give it some good fight choreography, not mm -hmm. do an info dump uh, exposition monologue. Because here's, here's the thing. I hate those. Especially when you've got some sort of like high concept thing like this where there's a lot to explain and you begin your movie with an exposition dump voiceover. I hate mm -hmm. it. There, there was nothing Eon said in that opening monologue that could not have been conveyed naturally through the dialogue and the actions of the movie in that opening first part. Because it functionally yeah. has a prologue, right? Like, she's off doing Monican shenanigans, and her sister wants her to come to d dinner, and then her sister gets killed by the police. Um, th they could have easily had her had conversations with other Monicans, have conversations with her sister, just show mm -hmm. us, just show, don't tell, guys. Don't give me uh, exposition dump voiceovers. They rarely work. Sometimes they do, but I think I've said it on the show before, if, they rarely yeah, work. Yeah, especially if they don't mean anything. Yeah. And, and we go through all this rigmarole just for her to get to Trevor and not be able to pull the trigger because... He calls her Catherine, to which I put in my notes, who the fuck is Catherine? Yeah. Why the fuck would she care if this dude is calling her a name she doesn't know? Presumably mm -hmm. she's having flashes of memories and feelings, but they give us 0.5 seconds of that. And they're all blurry. So like, what, they, if we don't know what's going on, why would she know what was going yeah, on? Yeah. And why is that enough for her to not get revenge for her dead sister when that's been her primary motivation since her sister died? It doesn't make any sense, like character wise. Yeah. So there's a lot to do about the new character of Orin, who is Trevor's brother, who is put in as the villain of the piece because uh, <laughs> somebody... Uh, at Paramount was like, well, they're lovers or whatever in the cartoon. They might as well just be lovers here and he can't stay bad the whole time. So we have to create this whole new dude. And then um, we learned that uh, society has not been able to reproduce in eons since the disease wiped him out or whatever. Mm -hmm. So they've just been, um, whenever someone dies, they take their clone DNA and um, forcibly impregnate yeah, they, women with them. Yeah, they, so they unknowingly have, yeah, artificially inseminate literally every woman in their society. Every, anytime a woman gets thinks that she's pregnant. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like, yeah, that's, yeah, and I'm just like, so that raises a lot of questions as to like how they know they're having sex and so on and so forth that never get answered and stuff like that. So, um, she uh, realizes when she climbs onto the space Edinburgh, <laughs> um, uh, with all of the records for all of the clones and stuff like that, that her sister has actually been sort of basically reincarnated as this baby that this couple has. And the imagery it, in, I think they call it the reliquary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I only remember that that only stuck out because of a quote from the animated Anastasia. Um, mm-hmm. when somebody refers to Rasputin's th- thing, um, his little soul mm-hmm. thing as a reliquary. I think it's the bat. Anyway, uh, she goes into the reliquary. I think the imagery in there is really neat. I actually dug, uh, what do they call him in this? Uh, oh, Peepaw's Yeah. What's his character's uh, name? The old man. The old man. Um. Doesn't matter. He's wearing a cool outfit. It's got a real big collar. We're talking like baby buggy sized <laughs> collar. And it's neat. And it's the same color as the reliquary inside, which, you know what? At least someone knows how to do some theming. And you see via these, like, strings, Mm -hmm. which was cool. It looks like an instrument you could play, but it, like, gives you all the information and you see people's faces in it. So I just thought that looked neat. Yeah. It could have done with more cool sci-fi imagery like that because they obviously want this to have a really strong sci-fi vibe, but we only get it in like these tiny little fragments. Yeah. Something that's also interesting about the fight choreography is how interested they are in these acrobatics. Yeah. Right? Which is to evoke what Eon does in the Mm. show. But human bodies do not move the way Eon moves in the show. Nope. So it is replaced with this, especially if if you spent spent the last two days watching episodes of the show like I did. Um, You sort of are just like, oh, okay. Fine. It's just, it just, it it seems like it it would be like watching Gabby Douglas do a routine at the Olympics, right? And then going and watching like a high school class in like, like a a high school gymnastics class right after it. Not even that. It would be like watching Gabby Douglas do a routine and then watch Maya uncoordinated ass try to do some somersaults when they put me on a wire it's a lot of really transparent wire work and um Mm -hmm. also for everybody having guns in this movie nobody shoots them until the very last like climactic fight scene where everybody's got guns Mm -hmm. and everybody's shooting everybody but before then eon should have been shot like eight times at least but she's she's so fast and she's so acrobatic. She's just doing all those flips. It'd be real easy to hit somebody doing those flips too, because like they're just <laughs> unnecessary. Like at one point when she and Sithandra are getting across the like booby trap gardens, at one point mm-hmm. there's just like a a span of of space that they just need to get across, and both mm-hmm. of them choose to get across it via back handspring. And I'm just like, there's so many more efficient ways to get from A to B there. <laughs> like, those, it's just unnecessary. They just want to show us how cool the acrobatics is. But it's not cool because they're both just really obviously on wires. They didn't even get a gymnast stunt double. Yeah. Didn't like it. Um, but yeah, they're, they're sort of found out because what ended up happening was uh, Trevor actually found the cure and people were able to get pregnant again, but also like apparently people had already been able to get pregnant again. And he had nothing to do with it. Yeah, he had nothing to do with it. And so um, that that's kind of moot, but uh, and Johnny Lee Miller is doing a coup on him because he doesn't want people having babies again. He just wants to clone himself in perpetuity. Which my question, why are those two things mutually exclusive? Why can't you let the people have the babies and then let the people who want to keep on cloning just keep on cloning? Yeah. Also, this, this, I think 
in the middle of the <laughs> decade, I think there was just like so much to do about like uh dystopian sterilization societies yeah. and uh it, it just seemed rote at this point um and then it all sort of like culminates in just this massive firefight that you can't see who's hitting what with what bullet yep. and like uh there was all this confusion that didn't really need to be there where the Monikins were going after Eon and the Brennians are going after Trevor, but like nobody really understood what was going on. Like not even Trevor and Eon because <laughs> yeah. Trevor is just like, Oh my God, they killed, they, they destroyed the cure. Nobody will ever be able to have a baby again. No, they, you, they were having babies already. You're just a weirdo. Except you can't and tell that he's feeling any of those things because he's just like, the cure. Oh no. It's gone now. What do we do? That's how he talks. It's horrible. <laughs> when uh, when they get back to the lab and his, uh, and his black friend has been blown up. He just looked. Freya. Yeah, that's who it is. That's all she gets oh, is your blank ass face just looking down at her go, Freya. Very, very solid Cro-Mag face. Um, just, just Black. like a, like, <laughs> like a cliff. Just like, <laughs> nothing there. Uh, yeah, so... Everybody basically is killed <laughs> except for uh, Eon and Trevor in this final firefight. And then Eon goes back up to the reliquary and destroys um, what's left of the clone DNA. She's adamant. She's like, we got to destroy it. Second question. What, why? <laughs> if only you and Trevor know it's up there, can't you just like... I don't know, land the damn thing and not tell anybody what's in it? Like, why you gotta be, like, so... Why, why did she need to go through the specific lengths that she did at that specific moment and crash it into the wall <laughs> when only you and Trevor know what's in there? And why does it still matter if everybody's DNA is still sword? Like, as long as you both agree you're not gonna do anything with it, like... It just yeah. really stood out to me that so many things that people do in this movie have no discernible logical motivation. Okay, uh, you've watched Lord of the Rings way more times than I have. Yes. Who is Lord Celeborn? <gasps> oh yeah, that's right. Trevor is Lord Celeborn. He's uh, Lady Galadriel's husband. Celeborn. Oh yeah. Yes. Okay, there you go. I did look it up and then I'd already forgotten because he doesn't emote in Lord of the Rings either. He, he just stares he, at him. And the, but go, to be fair, Galadriel is the one that's like relevant and having the moment. Um, but he's just kind of like, where is Gandalf? He was also the bad guy in um, Kangaroo Jack. Um. <laughs> I'm not, I can't say with confidence that I've seen that movie in its entirety. I've seen parts for sure. I think you've seen the trailer where the kangaroo is rapping. No, I, I, I've, I've seen that. And then I remember seeing the movie and being like, what the fuck? He doesn't rap. Well, yeah, because like, I just don't know that, that I've seen the, the whole movie thing. was completely marketed on the kangaroo, like rapping rappers delight. Yeah. And then he doesn't, he does that for like maybe two minutes in the movie and he doesn't talk. Yeah, they're like the they're like hallucinating or something. They're like out in the outback. Okay, shit, maybe I have seen the whole movie. I just don't remember our expressionless buddy. Because um, mm -hmm. I remember they're like out in the desert and they're like hallucinating. And that's when he raps. Mm -hmm. And it really made all them kids think that he was going to talk through the whole movie. But oh. they made like an animated sequel to it. And the kangaroo talks in the animated sequel. They learned their lesson. They're like, God damn it, they don't make any money. I was kangaroos like... <laughs> Um, but yeah, she destroys all of the DNA and stuff in the reliquary, which, uh, takes the blimp down cause she blew it up and crashes into the big wall that's been keeping out nature and stuff like that. 
and then everybody sort of like is looking onward to it so they can i guess start life anew or whatever whatever it comes down to these like apocalypse movies where someone like takes down a totalitarian government or some kind that has been in power for hundreds of years and stuff like that i'm always very curious as to like what happened after yeah because you know uh you know what usually happens after totalitarian regimes are taken down a whole nother totalitarian totalitarian regime swoops in and says hey girls almost almost a hundred percent funded by the united states government so it's just like okay sure whatever um and then uh we're uh, we're to assume i guess that catherine uh and and Trevor go off into the sunset to have a futuristic one life to live sort of situation. Now that was Eon flux, but like that sentence feels like a lie. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's not the show. No, it's not even like terribly reminiscent of the show thematically or anything so it's just like i did like when i looked the movie up to like look up where to watch it and i had to rent the damn thing it was on hulu until like a week ago um it did say loosely based on a television show that aired on mtv from 1991 to 1994 i was like okay goodness there's an she's got a name and that's the same she sleeps with a man named Trevor, which, pause, everybody's got these, like, high-concept fantasy names. You got, like, Sithandra, Eon Flux, Una, Orin, and then Trevor. Trevor. Yeah. <laughs> it made me giggle. It, they, did the, they did the George R.R. R. Martin thing, where it's like... Yeah, they hardly ever call him by by his first name in the show but yeah the george R. R. martin thing the the fucking star wars thing i'm still waiting on supreme sith leader rebecca <laughs> personally to she can be she can be who uh she can be the first fight for uh, for old uh baby mike there you go but yeah that was the influx and when we get back we'll give the movie some freezies why did you come back? What do you want from me? What do I want? I want my sister back. I want to remember what it feels like to be a person. And we're back, and this is the point in the show where we give out freezy awards to things that we enjoyed, things we found funny, things we want to shit on more. Micah, do you have freezies for Eon Flux? <laughs> I do. They're not nice. <laughs> uh, my first freezy goes to the hair gel budget. Must have been astronomical. <laughs> and men. Like, the number of men with really pointy hair was just unnecessary, frankly. Um, my second freezy goes to Sathandra and also Freya. Because why the fuck did they need to die? They didn't. That's the answer to that question. Because I actually like Sithandra. I didn't think that the actress that played her was terribly bad in this. Honestly, I thought that she was one of the better ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought her character was interesting. I think they could have played up her relationship with Eon more. Just like they could have played up Freya's importance to Trevor more. Because as much as he was able, he seemed upset when she died. So that, like, makes me think she was more than just a bodyguard, you know? Like, those were interesting characters with relationships that also could have helped enrich our main characters more. But no, you take the only two black women in the movie and you kill both of them. Yeah. Which is, which is pretty sus. Mm-hmm. Didn't enjoy that. Uh, let them live. And my last freezy is my hunch from Rockadoodle. Best Supporting Actor Award mm-hmm. to one of the best actors of our generation. Not in this. No one's, like, great in this. But Johnny Lee Miller. I love him. He's 
so fucking good. The only good thing to come out of this goddamn quarantine was a lot of theaters are putting performances up for free on YouTube, or they were like earlier in the quarantine. Mm -hmm. And um, the theater that put on Frankenstein with Johnny Lee Miller and Benedict Cumberbatch in rep put Mm -hmm. both of their performances up. I watched the version with Cumberbatch as the creature and Johnny Lee Miller as Frankenstein. That's the better one. (laughs) It is the best theater performance I have ever watched. It's so good. They are both so good. Johnny Lee Miller is great and I love him and I'm really glad he was here, even if he played a shithead because he, you know... He probably, we know he wasn't giving it his all because we've seen him when he's giving it all and he's really fucking good. And this wasn't it. But, you know, he tried. (laughs) He emotes, his face moves, which is more than I can say for some other people in this movie. So, And he's two out of three movies into his Hall of Fame qualifications. I still haven't thought of who yours is. So that's, those are my freezies. Now I've got to hear yours because I can't think of who it is. (sighs) Okay, well... The Freezy for adaptation that has almost jack shit to do (laughs) with the source material, uh, I think, goes to this movie. I'm never really that person either. Like, I'm just like, I'm like, make a good thing. But they didn't make a good thing. So all I could focus on is how different (laughs) it was from the show. Yeah. So that's my first Freezy. Uh, my second freezy goes to <sighs> worst editing. Oh, like yeah. this, bad. not not even just in the fight sequences. This movie's continuity editing is shit too. Like it is mm-hmm. insane. Uh, and then my third freezy goes to our newest inductee into the Ethan Embry TM Hall of Fame. And that is the surveillance state. Um, <laughs> because yes. uh, this uh, this movie is uh, doing a lot with its very nebulous but somehow omnipresent surveillance state. Uh, they know everything that you are doing. They know when you fucking. They know <laughs> everything. So uh, yes, uh, followed up by its uh, its. It's celebrated appearances in This Is War and Eagle Eye. Uh, the newest inductee into the Ethan Embry Hall of Fame <laughs> is just... the surveillance state. Perfection. <laughs> I love it. Big fan. Oh, boy. And now this is the point where we uh, decide whether or not the movie was still fresh or freezer burnt. Uh, this... Uh... This is freeze burnt. Yeah. Uh, it's probably, it's held up the least um, so far of my emo phase rewatches that I've been doing recently because I did rewatch Underworld the other day. <laughs> you know, better than this. <laughs> it's not great, but it's better than this. They also do some really transparent wire work for some acrobatics in that, but it's not the only thing they do. And God damn it, when people get shot... You see it. You see the bullets land, so. I think everybody was just, like, really into wire work in the late 90s and early 2000s. <laughs> like, yeah. I think it wasn't really until, like, two thousand around 2007 where people were just like, okay, <laughs> we're over the wire work. I think yeah. that's, that's really when that started happening because, like, The Matrix happened and then, like, uh, that was a big, like, cultural moment and then... Crouching mm-hmm. Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Have you ever seen Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? You know what? I don't think I have. I just watched it for the first time, like right when quarantine started. Oh my God. Michelle Yeoh in that movie? Oh. Fuck me up, fam. I just, it's, it's, and it's just gorgeous. It's, you have to watch it. Okay. It's you, on the it, list. It's, it's so good. I know um, we were just talking yesterday about how I never watch things when you tell me to, but that, that I will watch. Uh, it's it's a long one though, so prepare for that. But the yeah, so uh, it's freeze burnt for me as well, and that was the flux. That sure was. Mm-hmm. That one that one was my bad. I thought I was gonna have a fun romp back through emo memory lane. Does not hold up. <laughs> yep. But hey, 
So that that was that. Um, mm-hmm. Where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at CJ period. That's C-E-E-J-A-Y and the word period. I'm assuming you know how to spell it on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find me on Twitter at Micah Renee B and on Instagram at Lowkey Stroke Belemer. You can find the show at Below 32 Pod everywhere. That is Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Drop us a review. Um, five-star reviews make it easier for other people to find the show. And if you don't think it's five stars, we'd love to hear why. Always want to know what we could be doing better. And special thank you to Riley Watson, a.k.a. W, for our theme song. So what are we watching next week? So back in the day, uh, back when we all watched TV, we all watched specific things all at the same time. (laughs) Uh, And uh, it really, uh, at least for the first few years of its existence, really shook up the music industry. It was called American Idol. And... Oh. Oh, it just clicked. Uh huh. <laughs> we are going to be rejoined by friend of the pod, Dan Purcell. Oh, good. And he is going to help us wade through the corporate synergistic waters <laughs> of From Justin to Kelly, starring one Justin Guarini, runner up of the very first season of American Idol and the winner of American Idol Miss Kelly V T H E E Clarkson good yeah. i am so glad that Dan is going to is going to do this with us <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i forgot we were going to do that yep it's been long enough you'd lulled me into <laughs> a false sense of security <laughs> Well, that's not coming, Julie. folks. <laughs> it's not Julie. That's the that's the movie that he's holding over my head every time I'm like, oh god. He's like, but it's not Julie. <laughs> and uh, that's okay. We can keep it that way. That is just fine. One day it's gonna come. It's gonna stream somewhere. I'm just it. When, the day it becomes available, where we don't have to rent it. Yeah, that's the thing because we. That's what's keeping us from it. We refuse to spend money on Julie. We won't. Won't do it. Do it. I spent money on this, uh, on Eon Flux, and I'm probably going to have to spend money on Justin to Kelly. I don't know that it's, I don't know if it's streaming anywhere or not, but we will not spend money on Julie. Mm-mm. I refuse. So tune in for that <laughs> next week. Dan, sorry in advance. And until then, y'all stay frosty. Bye.